that feeling that comes through experiencing God's love, uh, experiencing His love through Jesus, is, is much like the quality of becoming real in the children's storybook, The Velveteen Rabbit. What is real? asked the rabbit one day. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. It doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to those who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off, your eyes drop out, and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to the, the people who don't understand. Well, we're going through the book of Mark, and we're in Mark chapter 8 today. And there's actually there's, there's three sections that I wanted to look at a little bit, but we're going to be spending most of our time in the middle but verses 13 to 21, I'm not going to read it all, but just a, a quick paraphrase or a, a background. Uh, Jesus, is, the disciples, they, um, they're, they're confused. And, uh, and Jesus says, you guys have ears, but you can't hear. You have eyes, but you can't see. They had thought that the yeast uh, was about bread because of the miracle, and, and, but he was talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. Basically, what it, what it meant was they understood a little bit, but not, not as much as they should have not as much as they needed to. And then we come to our story today, where I'm going to skip over this just for a second, and then we come to a story afterwards, and all of a sudden the disciples get it. It's a bigger understanding. They, they, they're starting to, to see a little more clearly. And so the story in the middle is, is Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. If you want to follow along, we're going to spend most of our time in, in these verses here. And so it says this, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now, we've, we've, seen, uh, we've read about quite a few miracles in the book of Mark and even uh, what you've heard on Sunday morning, and there's even some that we haven't looked at, uh, but a lot of the miracles are very similar. Some people take a person to Jesus, Jesus heals the person, and then says, hey, don't go there or don't, don't tell those people or don't tell anyone. Over and over again, we see a very similar situation, but there's something different in this parable. Uh, and I, I was trying to find it. I looked, I looked so hard uh, in, in just the verses, 22 to 26. And I thought, man, what, what stands out uh, from this miracle than, than the last miracle uh, or an, another that looks so much like it? And, and actually, I had seven points. I had a seven-point sermon just on that. And I thought, this, this isn't right. I'm missing something. It took reading the, the scripture around it. There's a context here that we see, we see so much more. We learn quite a bit about growing and understanding, how, how those two go hand in hand. When we, when we grow, we start to understand a little bit more. And, and so that was the first main idea, but not just from these, these verses, but from this whole context, that knowing who Jesus is 
And, and knowing Jesus is not the same thing. A lot of people know Jesus, but not everyone knows who, who he is. And the thing that I saw with the disciples, the people following him so closely, it takes time. And that's, that's number one. That might be the, the most discouraging and most encouraging words from this morning. It takes time. I, I've lived over half my life as a Christian. Uh, some of you, many more years than that. And, and wonder, why am I still acting this way? Why do I still sin? Why do I still get it wrong at times? It takes time. The people that were closest to Jesus, his disciples, the ones that lived life with him, they watched his, his miracles, his healings. They watched him, they heard his teachings. They still didn't get it. Not, not at first. They could see the man in the story that we're going to talk more about. He could see at first when Jesus first touched him, when he spit on his, ew, he spit on his hands and touched his eyes. That's kind of gross, but it was actually gross back then. We'll talk about it in a minute, though. He could see it first, but not very clearly until, it, until a second time. When we grow in our faith, that's, that's what it looks like. It means that we had room to grow in the first place. You won't grow if you already have everything that you need, if you know everything that you should know. So we have to accept that we don't know everything yet. Well, in the context, uh, what, I'm, what I was talking about, the verses before and after, the apostles, they just don't understand it. They see the miracle, they don't get it. Then all of a sudden, they see this miracle happen. They see this blind man healed, and then they get, they get it. Not fully, but a lot more. They see a lot more clearly. We're going to talk about why. Meeting Jesus is the start. It's not the end. Uh, even thinking about a baptism today, it's not the start. Or it's not the end. <laughs> it's maybe not even the start. <laughs> but for someone, for someone to come to Christ, if, let's just assume someone didn't know who Jesus was at all, and they came in and they're baptized, that's the start. That's the beginning of their faith journey. Just like any other relationship we have, uh, a relationship has to grow, or it, it, will, it, will, it will go the opposite. A marriage, you either grow closer together or you, you grow apart. Friendships. I remember whenever uh, when I when I moved here um, four and a half years ago, we had some friends that we said we're going to talk every month. We're gonna we're gonna get together every month and see each other. That was four and a half years ago. We've probably seen each other maybe maybe three four times in four and a half years. Not not every month, like we said. That's just what happens. And so just like uh, with our with our relationship with our friends, our relationship with God, we we have to grow, which means there is room for growth. I don't, I don't understand everything yet, neither do you. And even the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he said he didn't get it all either. At verse, or, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, he says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And mirrors back then, weren't, you couldn't see clearly. It was like a piece of metal or, or, or something like that, not like our mirrors today. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. He understood that he wasn't going to know everything until he was with Jesus in heaven. Keep going in this story, verse 22. Then they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. We need to learn that in our, in our faith, part of it is bringing people to Jesus. And the more that we explain our faith and share our faith, probably going to understand our faith a little bit better as well. The man did not get to Jesus on his own. Now, we don't know. Maybe it was because he was blind, 
and where Jesus was at, he just he couldn't get there. Maybe it was because he didn't have enough faith to think that Jesus could heal him. Maybe he thought, well, maybe he's powerful, and I hear about these rumors of him doing miracles, but he's not, he doesn't care about me. Whatever the case, people led this man to Jesus. And like the blind man, there will be times in our lives when we need to be led or taken back to Jesus, when our faith is weak. Something happened big here in the story. It says that uh, they begged Jesus to touch him. These people begged Jesus to touch this man. Now, what I found interesting is uh, it doesn't say his friends took him to Jesus. It doesn't say his family took him to Jesus. It says some people took him to Jesus. Maybe, maybe their motivations weren't all that. Maybe they just wanted to see a miracle. They didn't really care about the man. I don't know. Could have been their best friend. It could have been their worst enemy. But they took him to Jesus. What do, how do we do that today? I can't grab someone and just walk them to Jesus standing here. He's risen. He's not here with us in the flesh. But I can, I can beg. I can beg Jesus to heal people, to touch people. I can pray for people. That's what this looked like here. And, and you know who was rewarded in this story? The blind man and the people who, the people who took him there. They got to see a miracle. There's a, an older, um, you may have heard this story before, but it's the diary of a guy named George Mueller. And he was a Christian social reformer from the Victorian era. And he wrote this in his diary. He said, in November of 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land, on the sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thanked God for the second, and I prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. He wrote in his journal a little bit later, 36 years later, he wrote that the other two, sons of one of Mueller's friends, were still not converted. He wrote, but I hope in God, I pray on and look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Well, in 1897, 52 years after he began to pray, these two men were finally converted after he had died. He didn't get to see it, but it happened. Mueller understood what begging looked like. What does it mean to pray for someone? And what does it mean to beg on behalf of someone? That's what he did. There's, an, there's another step in, in someone getting well. Verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Once someone gets to know Jesus, once someone gets led to Jesus, they have a choice to follow. See, this man, he, he didn't have to go. The people took him to Jesus. He could have said, no, I'm, I'm not taking your hand. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going to do to me. I don't trust you. He didn't have to follow. But it was at that point when he was away, maybe alone with Jesus, it appears that then he had this faith-growing moment. I, I don't know how busy things were back then, uh, but I know today, even when we're alone, it's really hard to to be alone. 
It's hard, it's hard to get fully away from, from the world. One of the, one of the things that happens, um, I think we get distracted by these little computers in our pockets. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit before, but it's really hard to get away because are we really away? You have a thought, you look it up. You, get, you have a text, you respond. You've got to check your email. Oh, we better check social media. I don't want to miss anything. I need to see what's going on with Instagram and Facebook. I, those probably don't even exist anymore. I have no idea what the kids use today. But uh, anyway, so, so I'm, I'm having a conversation with someone and my phone rings or I get a text and then, well, you're supposed to check it because if you don't respond, then you might get another text in an hour and, and someone might call you three times because, well, there must be an emergency if you're not taking my calls. But if we're going to be present with each other, then, then we obviously have to... Uh, to not be present with, with others on the phone. Um, but the same thing with, in our relationship with God. If we're going to have a, a quiet time, if we're going to try uh, to really concentrate on what Jesus is, is uh, uh, what's going on in the Bible, what he wants to reveal to us, and, and maybe, maybe use your phone, put it on airplane mode. Um, but if not, I mean, we, have to, we have to disconnect. Because if we're not alone, then we're, we're not really with him. I, don't think, I think it's really hard to do both. And so sometimes I'll, I'll get a call, and I won't answer, I won't respond. Just assume that I'm, I'm spending time with someone else, because like if I'm, if I'm visiting with you and my phone rings, I'm probably not going to answer it. That's just out of respect. Or, so assume if you call me and I don't answer, or I don't respond to your text, that I'm either with someone else or I'm spending time with God, or I just don't want to talk to you. Uh, wait, I thought I covered the mic there. But this man... He was, he was willing to be led away, away from everything else, away from all the distractions in the world. And it was only at that point when he could see. He couldn't see before. He had, to, he had to follow Jesus. He had to let him lead him. Jesus took the man somewhere that he would have never gone on his own. It was right where he needed to be. It is at that point that his life changed. And for us, it might be a one-time occurrence. It might be one, one big step that you need to take, one big leap of faith. Or it might be a daily habit. It might be just spending a little bit of time with Him every day and seeing where He leads you one step at a time. We see from this story that it's not always going to be easy and it's not always going to be fun. Uh, from, right from the story, when He had spit on the man's eyes and put His hands on him. We have to submit to Jesus' ways, and it might not always be pleasant. I think we could all handle a little spit in our face. Sometimes things might be more comfortable than that. Sometimes things might be more painful than that when we choose to follow Him in obedience. It was possible in this story that the warmth of His saliva uh, would have soothed the man's pain. Um, the, the, we know that the man knew the difference between people and trees in the story. And, and so there's, there's an assumption that the man was not born blind because he recognized what what people and trees look like and the difference. And so he may have had uh, a painful accident and he might have had open wounds on his eyes and so the spit might have soothed it. That's just an assumption. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he didn't just touch his eyes or, or say something. Um, but this is what Jesus chose to do. And so there was a reason for it. I believe that. Verses 25 and 26, once, once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. In order to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, we have to be obedient to him. Just like in this story, you, you can't see, and all of a sudden you're healed, what's the first thing you want to do? 
I want to go tell everyone. I want to go show everyone. But in order to have this kind of relationship that isn't just about us, but it's about him, just like in any relationship we have with people, we have to respect uh, what he says. The, the man went straight home, or he asked him to go straight home. And I, and I think there was a reason. We've talked about this a little with the other miracles. Jesus doesn't want people just to go after him for a blessing. He wanted people to go after him as Lord and Savior. And if everyone's hearing about this guy that's just healing people, well, yeah, the crowds are going to come. Heal me. I, I'm, I'm sick. I can't see. I, I'm deaf. They're, they're going to want that. Obviously, we would all want that. But Jesus was trying to show there's something bigger that he wants people to pursue. There's one more idea here from, from the context. I told you it's not just about these verses. And so I'm going to reread just a few verses here for the last time from this story because we really need to see this. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. The thing that we see from this, along with the context, is, is when Jesus does something, when he works in our lives, it's not just about us. It wasn't just about the blind man. I would say even this story it might have been more about the disciples than the blind man. It might have been more about the people around witnessing something so great that opened their eyes spiritually. Because this is the one miracle that took two steps. Uh, unless I'm missing something, it's the only progressive miracle we see in the New Testament. It's the only time that Jesus took uh, more than one action uh, to, to heal someone. We've read some of the stories where uh, Jesus has healed people just by speaking a word. We've read of stories when Jesus could heal people just by them touching his clothes or, or not even being present. They, they don't have to be in the same place and he can heal them. But then we get to this and, and Jesus... He did it once, and it didn't work. I mean, did Jesus lose focus? Uh, did, did, uh, um, did he forget what he was doing? Or did he undershoot it? He, he thought, well, well, this is enough power to, to make him see. You know, guess not. Let's try again. No. Now, there's something much bigger there. Some blame the blind man. Many of Jesus' miracles, they happen because of the person's faith. He says, your faith has made you well. In, in order to receive from Jesus, we have to have faith. And that's, a, that's, a, that's the gospel in itself there. God's grace, our faith. That's part of the salvation plan. But some say that maybe it was, it was that, that he didn't have enough faith. This might be about the disciples more, though, that they could not see clearly. Now, eventually they could. The resurrection cleared things up a little bit. But this is a, a good reminder that spiritual growth takes time. Healing takes time. Understanding the gospel takes time. Even even with even the people with Jesus, it took time. The answers to our prayers, they might come very quickly or they might take a lot of time. They might happen in stages. It might take a lot of waiting. Or maybe we only see the answer in heaven. Jesus' miracles, they have meaning. We learn a lot about Jesus when we consider the details. I think today, this, this miracle, it, about, more, about almost more than anything else, this is about the question, do you see anything? Or more specifically, what he was asking was, do you see anything clearly? Does this, does this make sense? The disciples had been told they had eyes. They were failed to see. The miracle happened. And then I am going to read the verses after this story. This is right after this miracle took place. 
Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Many people know Jesus, but are blind to who he really is. And in the center of the book, in Mark chapter 8, we're halfway through, everything led up to this point of, of who Jesus is. They watched. They watched the healings. They heard the teachings. And then after this, it, it, this is the turning point. Oh, he's the Messiah. Okay, now we're really going to pay attention. Almost no one who had uh, heard about Jesus at the time thought he was just Jesus of Nazareth, just a, a normal man. I mean, you can't be a normal person and do this. So people knew that he was something different, but you can see from the answer, some thought he was a godly man, or some thought he was, he was a prophet from the past. But in a land where everyone was looking for the Messiah, everyone knew that, that, that the Savior was going to come, not even, the, not even the people who were with him could see that. Their eyes were closed. They couldn't see clearly. This is hard. This is a tough lesson. Knowing that it takes time, knowing that we will continue to be pulled away from Jesus by the world, knowing that not everyone believes this, and that we're not really going to fully understand, this is tough. There's a, just, just thinking of how depressing that is, I want to read a, a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is probably the most depressing book in the Bible, uh, but there is one verse in there that I think really helps, not to understand more, but to help move through life knowing this. It says this, Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Everything will be beautiful in its time. It, it sure doesn't feel like it. I, I don't see how some things can turn out, turn out good, how it, how, it, how it will make sense. We want to understand it. It says right here, eternity is in our hearts. We want to get to this point. But no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That's where our faith comes in. That's where our trust comes in. It, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stay obedient when the world around us paints a different picture. So how do we do it? How do we continue to grow in our faith? Just like the disciples, they stayed with him. He tells us what to do. In John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Uh, and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's the answer. Yeah, I don't understand it, and neither do you. We don't get it all, but we stay connected and we'll continue to grow. It'll take time, but we'll get there at some point. The good news is really good news. Uh, the, the, the gospel, the stories, uh, the healings, the spiritual implications of all these things, it's really good, but we don't just go after it for eternity. We don't just go after it for heaven. We go after it to a person in Jesus, who is willing to give his life for us. That's why we're here, not, not just because of the end, but because right now we have, we have an example, we have truth, and we, we can be real. Like in the story of the Vel Velveteen Rabbit, we can be real because we know that we are loved, 
not just with words, but with actions shown through Jesus on the cross. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you would keep, uh, keep our eyes open. Um, I, I, don't, I don't understand uh, a lot. We, we don't always see things clearly. And maybe some things you don't want us to see. And, and if that's the case, we're okay with that. But there are things that you, I'm sure you want us to see, and our eyes are, are being distorted. Our vision's not uh, clear because of the world around us and because of our idolatry and our sinful nature and our deceitful hearts. And so I pray that you would just continue to work in us uh, one day at a time. Father, I ask that, that our lives would be more about you and less about us, that the gospel would become our mission, and that your kingdom uh, would, would be our kingdom as well. We thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray.